It saves you a couple bucks on parking. So that is that. Matthew 5. If you have your Bible, Matthew 5. I am enjoying our, story, our study on the Sermon on the Mount, but I'll have to confess I like everything I study. So I'll just put out this disclaimer. Let me ask you this. The poor in spirit. Somebody sum up for me what it means to be poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is, sum up for me, being poor in spirit? What would you say? Yes, exactly. It's empty of myself. I see myself for who I am and see God for who he is. Thank you. That's awesome, Logan. What does it mean, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are, last week was, blessed are, I'm trying not to do, look it up. What are they? What is it, Kirkland? Yeah, blessed are those that mourn. Thank you. Because I could not remember. I was trying to recall it. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Sum up to me what, it, what we talked about last, night, last week with mourning. you from it. Yeah, 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 to turn away from your sin. It is a mourning, because we talked about last week of how we live in a, uh, a culture where we're encouraged not to mourn our sin. Pretty much it's just, oh, you did that? Turn around, go the other way, don't do it anymore. Whereas God in his word, as we read through Psalm 51 and many other passages, desires for us to look at our sin and look at it the same way God sees it, and then it to cause some regret. It to cause some problem. Not, not to the point where we're beating ourselves up over it every five seconds, but to the point that it causes me to turn away. So this morning, we look at the next one, the third part, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, before we go in and fill in blanks, let me ask you guys, what does it mean to be meek? We've talked about it a couple times in here. What, is, what would you say meekness is? If you could give me on the street, male on the street definition. I guess we have no men or women on the street today. So, yes, Rachel. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good, I think they would almost, like you said, be close to synonyms, humility. Yeah, anybody else want to add to what that is, to meekness? If not, let me tell you what, let's look at what the dictionary. The first two are dictionary definitions of the word meek. Dictionary definition of the word meek means deficient in spirit and courage. Deficient in spirit and courage. <coughs> Excuse me. Deficient in spirit and courage. The dictionary.com definition says meek, overly submissive, spiritless. Spiritless, tame. So, spiritless, yep, spiritless. Um, as we look at it, from a dictionary definition, meekness would be considered a weakness. So, if, according to the dictionary, if you were considered meek, so you said, blessed are those who lack courage. Blessed are those who are spiritless. Spiritless, for those are the for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. And in our culture, we have this thing about meekness that it is frowned upon. And our and I'm not knocking any of our uh, bill of rights or anything like that. But we we are our let someone cross me, I'll pull out my concealed weapon and I'll handle the situation. Like we 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 have we have this American way to do it. And you know what? The same thing was in Jewish culture. 
So when Jesus was talking to the Sermon on the Mount, everybody thought now that Jesus came, he was going to be Messiah, and the Messiah was going to come, and he was going to handle everything. So pretty much the Messiah was going to be king, and he was just going to handle through his miracles, through his power, everything they needed. He was going to come be the general, as in Revelation, that comes and speaks the word, and the blood goes up to the bridles. This is what they were hoping for a king. As they look at Jesus as a Messiah, or even still trying to figure him out, and they think, hey, when the Messiah comes, he's not going to be meek. He's going to be courageous. We're going to be victorious over everyone who's ever taken us captive. And then here's Jesus saying, blessed are the meek. So even in their time, they would have considered meekness a weakness. But let's look at um, the definition. I put together, try to put together from the things we're going to talk about, a working definition for meekness. Meekness is this. Meekness is humbly, Rachel's word, she must have read it. She probably wrote it. Meekness is humbly laying down my authority, my rights, or even my desires that God would be magnified in my life. Meekness is humbly laying down my authority, my rights, or even my desires that God should be magnified in my life. Let's look at, I think they'll fit in when we start looking at what meekness looks like. So let's jump down to that. So meekness is humbly laying down my authority, my rights, or even my desires that God would be magnified in my life. What does meekness look like? Numbers chapter 12. Go ahead and write in your blank, Moses. Moses. And then your next point is, now the, now the man Moses was very meek above all men who were upon the face of the earth. Okay? So, a couple stories. We get an illustration. So, I'm going to say, I'm going to believe that when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus is saying, blessed are people who are willing to lay down their authority, their rights, and even their desires so that God will be magnified. Here comes Moses in Numbers chapter 12. If you know anything about Moses and you know about Aaron and Miriam, in Numbers chapter 12, Aaron and Miriam make fun of Moses because Moses has a black wife. Moses' wife, Zipporah, was Ethiopian. I believe it was Zipporah, was Ethiopian. And Aaron and Miriam begin to talk with one another and then talk in front of Moses about his wife. And they begin to think things like, how can God even speak through Moses with his wife? And they begin to belittle Moses, the authority, the ruler, who's been leading them through the, through the wilderness for a long time, and they just begin to chew in him about his wife because she was an Ethiopian. And so as they start having this huge thing, the Bible says, this is where we find out, the Bible says that God says about Moses, now Moses was the most meek man on the earth. So in other words, Moses in this moment, when his brothers and sister are belittling him in front of people, in front of the children of Israel as their leader, and like, how can, how can God even speak through you? You're married to that Ethiopian, Ethiopian woman. And Moses lays aside his authority. He just lets it happen. Moses could have. And I don't think Moses was a weak man. Anybody who stood in front of Pharaoh and did all the things that Moses did, I don't think Moses was a weak, wimpy man. But he just said, I'm going to let that one go. And you know what happened? When he 
showed meekness, God stepped in, and God took it probably even more to the extreme than Moses wanted. God stepped in, and if you know what happens, God gives Miriam leprosy, and she's cast out of the camp for seven days. And Aaron and Miriam both run to Moses saying, would you please beg God to forgive us? And Moses jumps on his knees and begs God, God, would you please forgive my brother and my sister? But in that moment, Moses shows meekness. He is the leader. He's the authority. Moses could have said, man, both of you guys shut up. Somebody take these people away. But in that moment, he said, I'm going to let God handle this. He held back his authority to handle the situation. Number two, second illustration. The second illustration is the Christian wife. The Christian wife. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. The Christian wife. And when we see this situation, this is, I would say, probably one of the, the best illustrations of what it would be to show meekness. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. I'm going to read one of the verses because I want us to... Uh, I want us to get the context, so I'm going to read it from the passage. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word. So wives, be subject to your own husbands, that if any obey not God's word. So he's not obeying God's word. He's not doing what he's supposed to be, but you're to obey him. They also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. So God says this. If you're a wife and you are married to a husband that does not obey God's word, you submit to him. Because by submitting to him, he may be won by your conversation. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So we have a second illustration of what it means to be meek. We've seen this situation. I've seen it personally in my own family as far as um, some of my distant relatives. You've got here a husband who's all, for all practical purposes, a loser, a jerk. He's not obeying God's word. He's not treating his wife the way he should. And what I would say from a human standpoint is he does not deserve your submission. So if someone came into my office and praise the Lord, this goes to Pastor Ferguson's office, not mine. But if it was to come into my office and I have a woman sitting in front of me whose husband mistreats her verbally, is not, is not living a biblical life at all, I'm not saying that he's physically harming her. I believe there are some things that if she's physically harmed, she probably needs to get away from the situation. But I'm saying he's not obeying God's word. And from a human standpoint, she was to come and sit in front of in my office I would have to say, from a human standpoint, you know what? He's a loser. He does not deserve your subjection. He doesn't deserve you to do anything for him. But instead, what Peter says, he says, for that woman, he says, you submit. Because by you submitting and you showing meekness, you taking your rights, your authorities, and setting them aside, there's an opportunity for him to be won by the word of God. See, this is when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, blessed are the people who are willing to set aside their rights, their desires, their authority. That husband doesn't deserve me. And you know what? It's probably true. But Jesus said, blessed are the meek. 
Those are the people who are willing to set themselves aside so that her husband could be one. And you know what? I've, I've seen it on multiple occasions, this happen. And you know what? Even growing up, I remember there were times, and I've told you guys this before, where me and my brothers would be ready to go to church. And as we're ready to go to church, my mom had us there, and we were dressing our little ties and everything like that. And I remember my dad would be upset about something. My dad would say, you're not going to church tonight. He'd be mad at somebody at church or something going, he's like, you're, oh, you go take those things, go change your clothes, you're not going to church tonight. And I remember my mom would turn around and look at us and say, boys, go change. We're not going to church tonight. She wouldn't fight. She wouldn't do anything. She'd just say, boys, go change. We're not going to church tonight. And then probably like 15, 20 minutes later, my dad would change his mind. And he'd say, I don't care. I don't know why y'all didn't go to church. And my mom would say, boys, go get your clothes changed. We're going to go to church. And we'd go put our ties back on, grab our Bibles, and we'd be, after the song service, we'd all walk in and sit down in our regular seats. And I remember seeing that all the time. And as I studied this passage of meekness, this is what it is. Jesus is blessed with those people who set aside everything they are so that God can be magnified in them. Because too many times in our lives, we, we're not poor in spirit, for one thing. As Logan said, we're not empty of ourselves. We don't mourn over our sins. We don't really care the results of it. And it keeps us from being meek because we're full of ourselves. And so he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then lastly, he gives the last illustration in the servants of the Lord in 2 Timothy 2, 22 through 26. The servants of the Lord. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 25 says this, And the servant of the Lord, which I would believe is all of us as believers, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Here it is, in meekness is trusting those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance and the knowledge of the truth. So every servant of the Lord ought to show meekness. Now here's where we lose a lot of people in our Christian Christianity. Meekness is me putting aside my authority, my rights, my desires, so that God can be magnified. Jesus says, a servant of the Lord must not strive. They're not always about, let's fix this, let's handle this. Hey, you're sin, let's handle it. Let's stay here. He says, but they're in meekness. Laying aside authority, rights, desires, what I want to see, and instructing and helping people that oppose themselves who are doing things that make absolutely no sense. See, a lot of times in our Christianity, even as individuals, we look at people who are doing things that make absolutely no sense, and you're just like, you're stupid. Don't do that. I mean, why, why are you going to crash your life, man? Get over it. Stop. Timothy says, Paul writes to Timothy, hey, in meekness, lay aside your authority. Well, I'm right. I carry a King James Bible. I go to Trinity Baptist Church, and I'm right. I know he's wrong. No, I lay aside those things, and I, with meekness, help, instruct, encourage those who oppose themselves, those who are doing things that are doing things that hurt themselves. We know this on a practical level. Any of you, if you were to make a dumb decision, none of you want me to come up to you and, as your youth pastor and say, Pierce, I hope you know that was a dumb decision you made. I mean, I can't even really, you're destroying your life, Pierce. I mean, I can't even believe you would even do something like that. Nobody wants that. 
And we all know that if I did that to any of you, your re response is not going to be, I know, Pastor Bergen, it really was a stupid decision. I can't believe I made it. Your response is going to be just like everybody else's, just like if you did it to me, it's going to be, would you get off of me and leave me alone? Because we all know we made a dumb decision. When we make the dumb decision, we don't want everybody to point it in our face and tell us how dumb the decision was. We want people to come in meekness, laying aside authority, rights, desires, and say, hey, I want to I help you. What can I do to help you? You messed up. I understand. We all do. What can I do to help you? And he says, in meekness. And as we look at it, this whole Sermon of the Mount, we looked at it earlier that Jesus said, he that heareth my, these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will like him unto a wise man. So this morning, we're challenged from God's word, from Jesus Christ himself, to be meek, to lay aside our rights, our desires, and our authority, to let God be magnified. When we, we did Foss's Book of Martyrs, some of you guys were gone in the game or whatnot, I think, when we did that, but we walked through Foss's Book of Martyrs and we read some of the things from Fox's Book of Martyrs. When you look at a man like Ignatius and Polycarp, these guys who willingly went and ha had themselves burned at the stake, can I tell you, any man that is willing to stand in fire, unfettered, I mean, not tied up, nothing, and to say, hey, I'm willing to burn for Christ, I would not call him a wimp. But you see men who, for the cause of Christ, they said, hey, don't preach this. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am a Christian. Will you de denounce Christianity? Would you denounce Jesus Christ? I will not denounce Jesus Christ. I will not back down from what I believe. And for that man to say, as they tie him to the stake, for him to say, don't tie me up, I will not move. And to stand there and to give his rights, his ability, I mean, his authority, his desires, and say, I will burn for the cause of Christ before I will recant, I would not call that guy weak. In fact, I would call him one of the strongest men on the planet. And the same thing happens in our lives. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those people who can stop for a second and look at a situation and say, hey, for the cause of Christ, I'm going to give up my authority, my rights, my desires. You are wrong. But I'm going to give it up because I want God to be magnified in me. It's a huge thing. Let's, let's go right down to where we live, okay? And I don't not shooting this at any of you guys who play basketball on the team in your game Tuesday because I understand there's going to be a lot of heat going on. But meekness in all practicality is me on a sporting field having someone call a terrible call, but for that moment that Christ will be magnified in me, I'm going to lay aside my rights, my authorities, my desires and say, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to let it go. You know, it's against everything we, we know. We have professional athletes that get paid millions of dollars. You know what? It doesn't change their salary at all if dumb calls are made. They can still go home in their Ferrari. They can still go to their mansion and do whatever they want. It doesn't even really matter. But if they walk away, we would call that meekness a weakness. Man, he was right. That was dumb. They were wrong. But meekness says for just a second, you know what? I'm laying aside my rights, my desires, and I just want Jesus Christ to be magnified in me. It's okay. Just like that wife who would have a jerk of a husband and to say, he says, 
hey, you're not going to do this. This isn't going to happen in my house. I don't care about your God's word and all those things. By her chaste conversation and her meekness, he may not be won through the word of God, but by her response. He doesn't deserve it. By Moses. Hey, Moses, can you even, can you even lead us? Do you even know anything about God's word? Your little Ethiopian wife over there. I don't think you have the right to be our authority. And Moses in front of everybody could have just said, hey, I'm the leader. I hit a rock and water came out. I held up my hands and we defeated the Amalekites. I think you just better back up. But no, he just said, you know what? Right now, my authority doesn't matter. All I want is that God to be magnified in my life. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And in our culture, that is a weakness. We look at the thing we're going to talk about later in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, if you get slapped on one cheek, turn the other. We look at it, we do consider that a weakness. Oh, you're a man that can't stand up for yourself. Oh, you're just a girl that lets everybody trample over you. But Jesus said, no, that person is happy. Happy is the person who just said, you know what? My rights, authorities, and desires they're not as important as God just being magnified in me. And he goes on to say, Bless the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Here's the big picture, and we're done. What does it mean for they shall inherit the earth? One day, all the times it appears that we are persecuted. We're I forgot my other word. I don't have my other one. One day all the times it appeared that we were Persecuted, I think it's downtrodden. What'd you say? <laughs> uh, persecuted and downtrodden, your blanks. And underappreciated will seem so small when we reign with Christ. One day, all the times it appeared that we were persecuted, downtrodden, and underappreciated will seem so small when we reign with Christ. Revelation 22, 1 through 7, two passages. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God in the land. This, now, this is heaven in Revelation chapter 22. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, Worketh us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, here's what we come to the conclusion of why, are, why is that person happy who is meek? Okay, why am I happy that I lay aside my desires, my authority? Why am I happy about that? Because one day I will rule with Christ. For our light affliction right now, it's nothing compared to the glories of man. So picture in your mind one day, Revelation chapter 22. As we stand and just in our minds look at the picture that John's painted us. We are standing in heaven. The river is flowing from the throne of God. And as we look around, we see all the wonders of heaven. The Bible says there is no night there. There's no need of sun because Jesus Christ is the light. And for just that moment, we just picture in our mind what we believe heaven to be like from the little we know. You know what? In that moment, when I reign with Christ, because the Bible says they will reign forever and ever, in that moment, 
the bad call in a sporting event does not matter. In that moment, can you, can you imagine uh, Polycarp and Ignatius and these guys, he burned at the stake. And I can only imagine what that would be like. Or even all, for all practical purposes, Stephen. Remember Stephen, the deacon who got stoned? And as he got stoned, he said, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. As stones were hitting him, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he's getting beat with stones and he says, I see Jesus. I see Jesus sitting on the Father's right hand. And it probably only enraged the Pharisees even more. Enraged Saul even more. But you know what? In that moment, it didn't matter anymore. He was going to see the glory of God. He was going to reign with Christ forever. See, it's a bigger picture. And sometimes in our lives, sometimes in my life, I see the small picture. I see me right now, my rights being violated. Me not getting what I desire. And that upsets me. And it makes me mad. And I'm going to handle it right now. As in Moses. I'm not going to take this. Get off me. I've been married to my wife for years. I've led you people. If you've got a problem with it, go. There's a desert that way. Head as far as you want in the other direction. For that wife that's submitting to a husband that doesn't need it. Hey, get off me, jerk. You can go jump in the lake for all I care. I don't have to do anything for you. To the servant of the Lord that's trying to help people, trying to encourage people to do us right, and they are doing things that are deliberately crashing their lives. Man, they're just all dumb. They're stupid. Why don't you stop doing that? In all those cases, the reason that person is happy it's because they've set aside all those things. You know what? It really doesn't matter. You've got the victory now. Things are going on now. But in eternity, all these good things are going to be happening. It won't even be on my radar for eternity that this happened. It's funny. The things that I remember, and probably the same thing maybe you would say sometimes for you, from... Sometimes you've had a vacation and it seemed like everything's going wrong or you go and done something and everything seems to go wrong. But then you have this one moment as a family to where you can all laugh about now. And like as something, everything was going wrong. It wasn't what's called. And then something silly happened or something. And just the whole family has that one memory in their mind. And it was terrible. In all actuality, if you had seen everything that happened in that vacation, you'd say this is the worst vacation ever. But sometimes as a family or as a family, you went to do something together and you just laugh and say, that was the greatest time in the world, and it really wasn't. <laughs> but you just remember the great time. Pastor Scott's youth group, and those guys always talk about the buses breaking down all the time uh, on their youth activities. And I praise the Lord that our activities do not go like that. <laughs> but they talk about how, oh, yeah, we were on the side of the road, and we just pulled out a football. Man, some of the best times. Do you remember when Michael Saunders did such and such? Do you remember when Phil Parker did such and such? And they always go through all these memories of what happened when the bus broke down, not what happened in the awesome time that they had going to the place. They don't even remember that. Where are we going? Most of you talk to them. Where were you going? I don't remember. I don't remember where we were going. I just remember the bus broke down. We put out a football and we were playing on the side of the road on the interstate and it was great. You know what? That's what it is when we decide to show meekness. When I decide to let my rights, my authority, my desires go to the side for all eternity, those moments that I showed meekness, they matter right now. Yeah, they make me boil over. But when I'm meek, I am happy because it doesn't matter. 
I'm going to inherit the earth. I'm going to rule and reign with Christ. It really doesn't matter right now, <laughs> this little thing right here. This, as Paul said, this light affliction. So Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the people that are willing to lay aside their personal desires, their authority, and all these things. Because you know what? They shall inherit the earth. They're going to have the whole earth. So it really doesn't matter about the little things that happen to us now. So as we look at it, and I can't wait to get to next time, I hope that as we go through this week, we start to work on our meekness. And just like I said, guys, there's going to be a tense game. I, I, I say this standing here because I'm a youth pastor, but I understand what it was to lose a championship game and not talk to anybody for days. So I understand the thing that comes in it. But Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so as we look at it, on the back of your handout, there is, like I've had every time, just something we can walk through. Jesus said this, learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. So on the back, we have six places in Scripture where Jesus showed meekness. What I want you to do this week is read through the passage one a day and just mark out where Jesus showed meekness. And I'm saying it's glaringly obvious where Jesus showed meekness, where Jesus as God could have said right now, I will rain down. In fact, in one of the passages, he does say, he said, think not right now that I can't call a legion of angels for my father. But Jesus chose meekness. And he just handles the situation. And I think he's the greatest example of it. So let's pray and we're done. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for, your, Lord, the uh, lesson as we ran through it today. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be meek. God, to be able to grab our own selves and reign in the control and be able to let you be honored and magnified in us. We love you. Be with our servants.